Fan Morning Show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee filling in for Justin and Ailish. If you miss them, and why wouldn't you? You can check them out on Fan Drive Time, doing a great job. Saw their wonderful mugs on TV yesterday. Go ahead, Sammy. Quickly before we get to Ricky. Uh, this is from Andrew. <laughs> Toronto Animal Services. I highlighted Emergency this as well. response. Grinding 12 hours today. Up at 4.30 a.m. Wildlife. Toronto traffic. So, like, is he dealing with... Rakens or what's he doing? What's he doing? Squirrels in the roof? Yeah, like, I think, I think I so. More, I need more detail. An opossum on the loose? I think that Andrew, I, I think they're all over it. Andrew, follow up with your text and tell me what like your day, your day to day is. I'm not gonna read it on air, but I'm just interested. You're very, so, very curious. Text me, Andrew. Thank you. All right. All right that's uh, it. I I'm sure very confused. Ricky Romero standing <laughs> by on the line right now, ready to talk to us about literally anything else in the world. Ricky Rowe, how's it going, bud? Good, good. How are you guys? It's fun. It's funny you guys are talking about that because the other day, for the first time ever, I saw a little fox Ooh. with a with a with a bunny in his mouth, like just strolling around the parking lot. I was like, "What the heck is that? I've never seen that." So <laughs> it doesn't exist in the West Coast and LA. So <laughs> that was the first time for me. That's nature, baby. Uh, tough, tough time explaining that one to the kids. They were around to see it, but uh, hey, that's nature. Uh, you know, we all got to learn about things one way or another. Sometimes it happens at the zoo. Sometimes it happens out there. Uh, so yeah, Ricky, obviously really happy to get you on. Want to go through some of your your all-star memories uh, with you. Obviously, your name to the team, 2011, I, I believe it was. I mean, I'm sure it was such a special time for you. You know, when you look back on your career, I'm sure it's the big moments in the spirit of competition that stand out. But what does it mean to you to just kind of be on that field? and be part of the club when you when you were lucky well I shouldn't say lucky enough when you earned the right to be named yeah no it, it's one of those things where when you look back at it you you appreciate it even more I think when you're in the moment you're kind of just trying to soak it all in but I think when when it's all said and done and and that label is kind of placed on you pretty much forever I think it's it's special because you dream about playing in the big leagues you dream about doing all these great things in the big leagues and stuff like that and um for me you know I, I can't say that it was a dream come true because I don't think I ever dreamt that I was going to be. It just happened. I was having a good year. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's super special. And when you walk into that clubhouse and you see all the stars, all the the legends, you know, the, the Miguel Cabrera's, the Adrian Beltre's, the David Ortiz of the world. I mean, even Jose Bautista at the time, he was so big. Um, he was a leading boat getter. So he was pretty popular around there. Um, it, it's it's definitely a special. And then you look across the field and you see all the stars that you're that, that you're you're opposing. Um, it that that's even more special. So it's it's part it's fun to be part of the festivities. I'm glad I got to enjoy it with my family, with my loved ones, and um, it was definitely a special day. So I want to ask you about was it last year that Manoa started the All Star game, or was that two years ago? I can't remember. What, he was an All Star starter in the game as well. And I want I want to ask you about how your shock level on what happened when he came back up and pitched against the Tigers over the weekend. Because, listen, I believed that Manoa was going to be able to get back to form at some point over his career here. I thought, like, maybe the rest of this year or later in the summer. But I was really surprised when he came up, Ricky. And then I was even equally surprised to see how he performed. What was your level of surprise uh, with how he performed coming up from the minors? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were thought that it was a little bit too early. They thought they, they would see Manoa maybe. Yeah. Um, two, three more outings in the minors, and, and that's fair. I mean, I feel like, obviously, he had a rough first half um, um, go at it, and I think when, when people saw the first line of the first minor league game, I, I don't think that told the whole story, and from what I heard, it was like, you know, there were some plays that could have been made that could have gotten him out of the innings, and they just kind of snowballed for him. 
So I feel like that line really doesn't tell the whole story. Um, and also when you're, when you're pitching down there in those rehab assignments and those, those kids don't have a plan, it makes it hard for a pitcher to be working on the stuff that he's got to work on. I mean, you talk to any big leaguer that's ever rehabbed on a rookie ball game or something like that. They always say, man, like I just, I, I felt like I don't belong in the big leagues because I got whacked around the whole, the, the whole yard. And I feel like that happened with Manoa. Um, you know, some play, big league defense is completely different different than, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds playing defense behind you. And and then you saw the stuff in double-A when you watch those highlights and you see that, that he was commanding the zone and um, and he was, you know, talking to himself, be, being a competitive guy, the competitive guy that we're used to seeing. And you're seeing, you know, the, the, the fastball kind of have that nice rise up in the zone and he's getting those swings and misses. You're like, okay, so he's doing something and he's doing something right. And I think that was the whole point for him to be able to go down there, figure it out. They have all this technology now where they're able to see his hand off of the ball and, and, and cameras and this and that. So I think he was able to identify the problem and then clean up the problem. And, and then you saw his start against the Detroit Tigers and, and you just kind of saw it, you know, I mean, you saw him, him, he was talking to himself. He was, you know, kind of pointing down towards like staying, I got to stay in my lane. I got to stay in my lane. I can't keep falling off bad i think sometimes where manoa where he goes bad is where you know he starts uh falling to the left a little bit too much and i think it's uh uh, what causes that is that front shoulder kind of opening up a little bit and his arm drags and doesn't get to catch up so um i think with against the tigers he got those swings and misses up in the zone the slider still probably needs a little bit of work and he he'll admit to that i'm sure um, but the, 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 the good sliders that he did, did throw were vintage Manoa, and you just hope that he kind of built from that. He went into the all-star break feeling good about himself, and now you add him to that rotation of the other four guys who have been horses all season long. I mean, it, it's going to be a pretty strong rotation. Yeah, it's such an interesting spot the team has found themselves in with with Manoa, right? And it's a fan morning show, Brent Gunning, Sam McKee, talking to Ricky Romero here, and that they absolutely need him back because they've been running a four-man rotation, and I know guys like Francis have actually done a pretty good job in what they've been asked to do, but you could not continue it. But they don't need him back because they need their ace back. I mean, Gosman has been so good, and Barrios has lived up to not the expectations heading into this year, but what you thought you were getting when you traded your best prospect uh, – in in Martin a few a few years ago, and obviously Kikuchi has turned it around, and Bassett's proved to be a good signing. It's it's a very interesting spot the Jays find themselves in, where they need his innings. But even if he came back and or he comes back and is just your third best starter, which I know is you know nothing to sneeze at, it, it does kind of make things I would imagine a little bit easier. I know a guy like Manoa is wired; he's going to say, "What are you talking about? I want to come back and be an, be an ace." But do you think it does take a little bit of the pressure off, and maybe that makes it a little easier? That hey, we we could we could live with a five and dive from you. Quite honestly, obviously that's not the goal here. But do you think that makes it a little bit easier? I, I think one of those things where, like you said. If, if you ask Manoa, he's going to be like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm going, I'm going six or seven every night out and, and I'm going to be the horse that I can be. And if they can get that out of him again, you could, you, we mentioned that, you know, they had four starters for a while and they were kind of running out Trevor Richards. And when you're running out your best reliever out there or one of your best relievers out there and you constantly, you know, you start him and then you have to lose him for the next two, three days because he's got to rest. Um, then, then you're kind of short a man in the bullpen. And I think, um, um, the, the, it was only so long they could do that for, and that's why I think the addition of Manoa was probably a little bit quicker. I mean, obviously, 
we know it's no secret the depth of the Blue Jays starting rotation after the guys that are up here. It's there's really not that much to to, to choose from in AAA. So I think it was it was key that they they got Manoa, um, you know, pretty quick, but not but. In, in the sense that, hey, has he has he uh, passed all the tests? Has he done the checklist of what we wanted him to do? And, and I think he did all that. And um, and again, when 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 you have five guys, when you're running five guys, and if you sneak into the playoffs and, and you have a chance to win a series, you're you're running, you you know, out of those five guys, you can pick three, and and you know they're going to give you quality innings and 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 a chance to win uh, a big series. So. Um, so I think, yeah, they, the, the Blue Jays definitely find themselves in a really good spot. And obviously, health is key. And if they're able to stay healthy with these five guys back to form, I mean, it, it, it is a pretty dangerous uh, rotation going into the second half. So you mentioned the rotation, and it's starting to all of a sudden get pretty full there, especially if, you know, Ryu starts flirting around here. We're not sure when he's going to get back to the majors. But I guess that wouldn't be their biggest need heading into the deadline. I mean, are you looking to add a, some kind of a bat to this, a bullpen arm? What are you looking at that the Jays need heading into the deadline? Ooh, great, good question. I mean, I, f- I feel like, obviously, I'm sure they're going to be active. I mean, I feel like no team's ever really, like, comfortable going into the playoffs mm-hmm. and saying, okay, this is the team we're going to go into October with or make a run with. Um, I think, obviously, I think, you know, Pitching is always going to help. I mean, whether it's uh, another starter or wh- or whether it's a, a, a bullpen arm, a quality bullpen arm. I think you know when if you have somebody down there, um, you know Tim Mesa has been good, and obviously Swanson's been great too, and and obviously Jordan Romano has been the guy down there. But I think when you if you add another veteran um, <clears throat> arm down there, it it always helps, and um, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because the offense, obviously, we've seen it scuffle a bit. Um, so you're wondering if, you know, if there's a, a big bat that they can add there. Um, but again, I, I think it's just, we've seen them when they've played so well and you're just like, man, this team is completely dangerous. And we've also struggled a little bit and, um, and you're kind of sitting there scratching your head as a fan, but it's baseball. And I think at the end of the day, I, I think, the, you know, Shapiro and, and Atkins are going to do what's best for the team. And, and if they're able to, pull something big I'm, I'm sure they're gonna they're I'm sure they're not they're not gonna sit there and, and just wait for another team to snag a good player I think they're gonna be active and they're gonna be uh wondering what is what is out there that they can that they can afford yeah for the longest time my and this goes back honestly not just this year but going back last year maybe even the year before that has been kind of elite back of the pen stuff and the one thing I'll say is I always feel bad saying that because it is not a knock on Jordan Romano I don't have a problem with him being the guy it's just a matter of taking off the pressure for him to have to be the guy there is such you know and I do think it's starting to close a little bit but for a while there's been such a gap between him and the other Blue Jays relievers the one guy who makes me feel differently about that is Nate Pearson. You know, he is really starting to find himself. We all remember what he was supposed to be. And yeah, if I would have told people, you know, uh, seven years ago that, oh, Nate Pearson, the big stud starter, he's going to be your seventh, eighth inning guy. You'd say, no, what happened? What's gone wrong? But if he can turn into that weapon that every team seems to have, that's not your closer, but he can go to, he can give you five outs. He can come in in a big spot. If your starter gets lit up early and give you a couple innings, what do you think Pearson specifically does to this bullpen? And and does he kind of take a little bit of the pressure off, off Romano? It's funny you say that because you're, you're right. I feel like every good team has that guy that's coming in and throwing a hundred, 101 and, and Nate Pearson definitely has that, 
has that type of stuff. And he's a guy that we've said it all along. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when we would talk about Kikuchi last season and it was like, man, everything's there. You just got to put it together. Well, everything has been there for, for Nate Pearson. Obviously he's dealt with some injuries the past couple of years, but I feel like this season, obviously he's fully healthy and, um, and he was ready to contribute to this team. And, and I feel like he's fun at home. I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you wish you would see him at a, as a starter. He's got such a great live arm, but Hey, you know what? I think he's found a home. He feels comfortable down there in the pen. And if, if you have a guy like that, a guy that's just completely filthy from can go from 101 into snap nasty breaking ball type stuff, then you're sitting really pretty in the back end of that uh, bullpen. And, and, and you're right. You, you need one of those guys. And I feel like, for a lot of, for the past couple of seasons, we, we were sitting there wondering like, why do the Blue Jays not have that guy that throws gas and it just has absolutely filthy stuff, uh, secondary stuff. And, and I feel like definitely uh, Nate Pearson can, can be that guy. And, and if he's able to be that guy, then he's going to be even more valuable to this team. He's going to earn the right to have more uh, leverage, uh, high leverage uh, situations for the, for the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen. Ricky, uh, always, always appreciate the chat. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. There he goes, uh, Ricky Romero, uh, keeping an eye out for wildlife everywhere. This Insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. You have a game for me, I Sam do. McKee. It's not necessarily a game, but it's okay. more of a, a query. Wish we, had the, wish we had the saw. Would you like to play a game? <laughs> it's, uh, so the Blue Jays bullpen this year has been really good, mm-hmm. right? Like you yes. look at where their, their ERA just... Classic ERA, if we're allowed to use that still. Like, I don't, no. I'm not sure what their uh, ex-fit. I'm or, not one for canceled jokes, okay. but ERA is canceled. Okay. Uh, it's they're, they're fifth in the league in ERA, in the major leagues. So that's not the American League. That's the whole league. Yep. They're fifth at 363. I'll take it. Their K percentage is third at 26.7%. Seems like a stat that'll play. But. Okay. Mm. I would like, I like to play the trust tree game yes. with you. Let's. I will start at the bottom, and it's a pretty easy one here. Mitch White. No. Not I, in the trust I tree. Don't, I don't even I don't even trust I don't I don't trust internet rumors about him. I guess in the spot he's <laughs> he's asked to to be in, I'm fine with them because you're okay. never gonna see him in a moment that matters. But like what when you say trust tree, do I trust him in the spot he's used in or do I trust him in the spot a spot that matters? Because those are two very There's different things. One. He's just a okay. long man. Doesn't okay. matter. Yeah, he stinks. Okay. Nate Pearson, trust tree. One thousand percent. And just, yeah, Ricky's been listening to my pods. He said, yeah, we all hear it from Brent Gunning. That I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said <laughs> about guys need the 100 mile per hour stuff. Yes, trust him. Trust him. You? Yeah. Okay. I, I think he's great. I think okay. he's got nasty stuff, but I think as the games get bigger, mm-hmm. it's a big spot to be in. They're, trust, they're, they're leaning on him a lot. Yep. He's pitching a lot of innings. He's always had the, the injury stuff. Yep. The, the, you know, he's just, you know. There's some concern. Totally. Trust tree when he comes out. I feel like he's going to get the outs. I do, but I still always have in the back of my mind. Okay, Trevor Richards, love the change. Feel great about it. Full, yes, full trust tree for me as well. For sure. Adam Simber on the IL, but neither of us would say he's in the trust tree. God, I, I just, I hate watching. I, it just, it pains my soul to watch him pitch. Not because of him, just the, the side, the squeaky, the shoes, guy the jumping. I, I just get him out of here. There's only one guy that I hated watching more pitch, and it was that guy on San Francisco. That was like it should have been illegal. They should kick him out of the league. Oh, the guy I was know. like, the guy, I, yes, like the underhand scoop, basically. He, he was Tyler pi- Rogers. Yeah, Tyler Rogers. He was pitching in the. He was basically doing like the 
all Canada softball pitch. Like it was Under Armour. I hated it. Oh, this is the guy who has the twin brother who actually pitches like a real pitcher, or maybe they're not twins, but they are brothers. Trevor. Really? Yeah, Trevor. And uh, yeah, I remember making this joke with Danielle. We were watching The Good Brother in a game earlier this yeah. year, and I said, gee, I wonder who dad's favorite is. Mom might like them the most, but I guarantee you dad is like, just just give me the guy who throws gas overhand, yeah, please. Yeah, the, the underhand junk, that guy should be out of the league. Okay, so uh, I digress. <laughs> Jimmy Garcia, trust tree. <sighs> for me, no. Yeah, no. Agree. No, that's a no for me. He's just had too many. Yeah. Like, he can be really nasty. Yes. But, like, it's the inconsistency with totally. him for me that scares me. Now, this is one that will be very polarizing because he's been downright excellent this year. Mm-hmm. Tim Mesa. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> it's a tough it's one. It's really tough. It. What are you- yes. Uh, yeah, push comes oh, to shove. Yes, God. I think. Okay. Yes, I do. I do. The, like, I. You. I don't feel great about it, but gun to my head, I do trust him, I think. He's been just excellent this season. 30 innings pitched. He's got a 1.17 ERA. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's allowed. And he struck out 32 batters, in, and he stranded a bunch of runners. Yeah. Like his, his strand rate's really yeah. high. He's been really good. You do not. No. No. I, every time they call him Maze, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the one where it starts. So just so just so I'm clear. And a lot of it has to do. Yeah, of course. Of course, buddy. Of course. A lot of it has to do with Seattle. Yeah, of, of course. The Oh, oh, the game that matter, and it might be not being his fault, but like he is right there wearing it all. Yeah, of course. So just so I'm clear, quick math on this. Mm-hmm. I am at three. We're at, I'm at three. You're at two. Yeah. Because you trust Richards. You kind of trust Pearson. Yep. And you kind of trust... No, you don't, don't trust No Mesa. Jimmy, no Mesa. Okay, so you're like one and a half. Yeah. Okay. Eric's, Great. Sick pen, baby. Eric Swanson. Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Do I? Would I have traded to Oscar Hernandez more no. or less straight up for him? Probably not. No, he would not have Do done I trust it. him? Yes. And the last one, uh, the closer, Jordan Romano. Have to. Full trust tree? Like, if if you're asking me, here's the five best closers in baseball, you're going to pick him out of the pile? No, I'm not. But yes, full trust tree. Absolutely. It's great stuff. He has the mentality. He has had blow-up moments that have not broken him, and I honestly think that is the biggest thing from a pitcher. He has had bad. He's had bad moments. He have had. He has had little weak blips where he's had back-to-back bad moments, and mm-hmm. he's been able to shake it off. And honestly, I think for a guy who now has a track record of proven that he's been able to do it, the fact that he's able to shake it off because hey. Mariano Rivera blue saves in game seven of the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. These things happen. So yes, I think you got to trust Romano. Yeah, I agree. There you go. So, Fun game. Thank you. So th- when I read out all those names yep. and we talk about our trust level in them and listen, not every bullpen across the league, all their fans have all guys like this, where it's like, it's like a corner in it's, football. It's you a, love to yeah, hate one or, or two or like it's the most, you know, subjective thing yes. where you trust a certain guy more than you do another guy. But when I read out all those names, to me, at the deadline, I know this is a really hot, breaking take. Shocking. But they need a guy with a big arm in the bullpen. They need one more guy. Yep. They really do. And it's just so you can bump everyone down a level. You can have maybe an eighth-inning guy, a seventh-inning guy. I mean, the innings don't necessarily no, matter. It's, it's the spot. spot exactly. in the lineup. But I really, to me, they do need to get a guy that can come in in a big spot. And I think over the years, 
like if it doesn't have a ton of contract left, if he's a if he's a free agent yep. the next year, they don't cost you an arm and a no. leg. The Jays don't have a ton of depth to trade from. That's one of my biggest gripes when it comes to the uh, as I almost said the Ooh. you know what era the Shapiro Atkins era, and I didn't even do it on purpose, yeah, but no, like it was just, just together. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my biggest gripes is the fact that when they came in here. And Alex Anthopoulos had legitimately traded every single person that ever played minor league yeah, baseball. Yeah, we were talking the about the no cupboards earlier. Yeah, very much in they, Everyone was gone. They had no players in their minor league teams. One of their big priorities, remember, they talked about control. They yes. talked about bringing in, you know. Six years into 42. Building up. Favorite, building up favorite all line ever. The, building up all. But it's just like Ernie Clement and yeah. you know, Nathan Lukes, who actually got a huge yeah, hit. Massive knock. But yeah. it's like. The contributors on this team are somewhat surprising, and it just shows you what little they have to trade mm-hmm. from. So they're going to have to get super creative at the deadline when it comes to this, but they absolutely need another bat, and they absolutely need another bullpen arm. I really don't think they need a starter. If Ryu's going to come no, back, no, no, no. if Ryu's going to come back and give you some semblance of length, you can put him out of the pen, you can put him mm-hmm. out of the start for some length, you can piggyback him, you can yep. do him as, a, as an opener, whatever you want to do. Manoa kind of finds it. We don't know. I mean, the Tigers rot, so it's hard to take a ton of, but I mean, he also gave up 11 runs to a Florida Gulf Ghost League team, whatever. I do think that this deadline, the Jays can put themselves in a better position with a bat and an arm, and they're in a playoff spot. Like, I'm feeling somewhat encouraged about their chances at making one of these games, at least, the wildcard series. Like, they really are in a good spot right now, so they got to push forward. Their window is not that big. So when you look at the starters, I'm with you. The thing I will continue to hammer home until I'm blue in the face, and I understand it's a hard thing to prioritize because typically these guys are just players who you had higher expectations for that don't work out. Is This is a, a revolving thing. This is a problem for this year. It's going to be a problem next year. You cannot go into next season with the exact same scenario where you have literally five starters and that's it. You yeah. have to find a way to build up some more depth there, but that is not the thing you need to but do. Not, now. But, but not a ton of teams have... MLB level guys in the minors. No, but I mean, even like there were not even the idea of like the idea of Trent Fortins and Thomas Hatches oh, yeah. running out. Like even yeah. those types were yeah. were kind of not filtering around a this bit year. Of touch so and go, with just, those guys, just yeah. a bit. So yeah. again, I'm not I'm not asking for like old old Jay's farmhand Matt Boyd to be the yeah. sixth starter yeah. rotten down there in AAA. Yeah. I understand how these things work, but yeah, it does need to be addressed in terms of the so the bullpen thing. I think if you are a team that expects to win, hopes to win, is trying to win, however you want to phrase mm-hmm. that, that is the that's the bare minimum. That is the minimum order. It's like, you know, you'll call a place for delivery. It's like, okay, we will deliver it. It's like if you are a playoff team, at the absolute minimum, you go get a freak who throws 100 yeah. to just throw in the mix. Yeah. Maybe they matter, maybe they don't. The problem I have with adding the bat, and I have no problem with it, you want to go out there, one, you said it, they have no capital really to mm-hmm. trade from within, and... I still don't know necessarily where you put him, right? Brendan Belt, we know up and down, it's going to go how it's going to go. I don't think it's going to be so putrid that you're trading for a new DH at the deadline. And again, that's a rotational position for the Jays because of Vladdy, because of Springer, all that. Kiermaier has been so important in center field. You know, Varsho, obviously, part of the plans. You're not going to replace him unless you're doing something where you trade out Matt Chapman and then bring in a bat, but you're losing Chappie and then that doesn't help you at all there. So that's, that is the thing I keep bumping up to against this team is if you do want to add a bat, 
because again, reliever is the most obvious thing. Starter they do not need. Would love a thumper in the lineup. Maybe somebody who, I don't know, Teoscar Hernandez, for for example, well, if you have funny, him sitting like, there. How about a right-handed power yeah. bat? It's like the opposite hmm. conversation of uh, the last had year. For two years now, no, yeah. It's like lefty bat, lefty bat. But no. if they, yeah, God, it's just that, you know, Lourdes would be a perfect kind of part-time totally. guy on this team. Totally. Where he doesn't have to play the defense that often. And I probably couldn't have gotten out of that trade without without giving him up. And I actually like Varsho, and I like a lot of what Varsho mm-hmm. does. But it's just so hard to not look at Varsho through the sphere of, of that trade. And you just, you have, if you have Guriel, mm-hmm. and, you know, you had traded Teoscar or vice versa. Yep. You would have kept one of them. It's amazing how much better of a spot offensively your team would be in. Yep. Like, it really is. And it's just, I get why they reacted. Yep. I do. I really do get it. But it was a miscalculation. It was a mistake. They traded Teoscar way too early, and they mm-hmm. traded too much to get Varsho. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, is that when you look at the team and the idea, because, again, this is an idea that popped up at times this year, is that they don't take it seriously enough, or it's too loose. Yeah. You could not find a better guy to be the sacrificial lamb than Mr. Cocktails on the bench himself or Mr. I, I forgot to wear my sunglasses in Guriel oh, yeah. and Teoscar Hernandez. So, again, understand, but, yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. All right. Last submission. Oh, yeah. Get them in. It's going to be been, tough to beat. Though. I've been building around Rushmore. We have, I think, our winner. Mm-hmm. If you think you're better, you think you're more of a grinder, tough time to be announcing your grinderdom. Yeah. Unless, unless you're grinding so hard you didn't have a chance to text <laughs> in. Oh, yeah. And then maybe you get yeah. your chance now. Luke Fox coming up, and we will give you our grinder of the day. One segment left on Fan Morning Show with Gunning and McKee on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five ninety. Five ninety is the text line. We have loved hearing from you all, all morning long. Gonna wrap it up with our grinder of the day. But a man who, quite frankly, is grinding too deep into hockey's off season. Mm-hmm. This man should be done with us, but we're dragging him in because we got some questions. He may have some answers. Luke Fox joins us now. Luke, always love chatting with you. But again, I'm just, I would like to apologize on behalf of the Toronto Maple Leafs that work is still going on. This is disgusting, Luke. I should be on the golf course right now. Yeah. Instead, I'm, I'm talking to you guys. So. Um, <laughs> Luke, before we get into the Leafs, I was talking about this with Gunner in the break. Are you a Puck Duco guy? Sorry? Have you a, what? a Puck Duco? Have you even done that yet? It's like the grid thing with the hockey. You know, like all the grids, immaculate grid, all this stuff on Twitter. Like, am I saying it right? Or am you I are, crazy? Well, I, oh, no. I oh. do Wordle. I do Wordle. Okay, so Wordle, Wordle for hockey. It's way better. I mean, I'm, I'm texting you Puck Duco right now, okay. Luke, and you're going to okay. do it, and you're going to be hooked. It's the best thing that's ever happened. So I guess oh. you don't do it. I, I, this is the first I've heard of it. I'm open. I'm okay. open. I'm texting to you right now. Okay, okay. so uh, if we hear a ping, we'll know uh, what that is. Okay, so Luke, uh, well, well, uh, we, we recover from the shock, and you should have seen the terrified look in McKee's face like he was saying it wrong the whole time. Uh, look, while we recover from that, what 
do we have as far as the Leafs go here? Uh, stalemate seems to be a word I've heard thrown around. There is some questioning about Austin Matthews and wanting to get that deal done first, how that would affect William Nylander. Where are we at with the lay of the land regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs and the contracts that they need to get signed? Well, where we're at is William Nylander doesn't have a deadline until next July. So why would he be in any sort of rush to put pen to paper? He, he, he's a Maple Leaf for this season, and the cap's going up, and there's no pressure on him. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who waited, as you guys well remember, till December 1st, the absolute drop-dead date before he was even eligible to play the last season when his contract was up. He is slow playing this. Mm. What, what, there's no rush on the player's part. All the pressure is on Brad for living, in, in my mind. And whether he wants to be amicable and continue dialogue and all these nice things and try and bridge this gap, which may be as much as $2 million, a million and a half dollars, which times it over seven, eight years, that's, that's a big number. Um, so is he, does he have his own deadline, Brad, and, and say, all right, if you're not going to get this settled, I can't have this hanging over my head. I need to trade you. I need to work on this blue line. Uh, this is, does he want to impose a deadline on Nylander? Because right now, Nylander's deadline is July 1, 2024. He can take it right till then. There's no pressure on him. Yeah, and do you... You think he would like? Great. It, well, no, I, I think I, we had this conversation. Player has the leverage. We had this conversation in the first hour, Luke, about him potentially just playing this thing out, and the Leafs just playing this thing out. But I, you know, if the if the back end looked like it did last year uh, during the season, as opposed to the way it looks kind of right now, I think that's more of a more of a, a possible scenario. You know, I don't. I'm not trade Willie Nylander guy. I really am not. I think right now, after all the years we've actually talked about it, and like every summer this has been a conversation, this is the one time they actually shouldn't do it because I feel like he's really actually coming into his own here. But without that trade, how do you improve this blue line? Like it really feels not like it's almost necessary, but I just don't know the way to improve it without doing the deal, Luke. I I agree. It's really hard because Kyle Dubas has basically left the cupboards bare. I mean, what do you what do you trade? I guess you could trade your 24 first rounder already, mm. which is you know a risky proposal, especially when you don't know you know you have a whole season to play. You're not you don't really know how high that pick's going to be. Uh, you know what's Nick Robertson's worth on the market right now? Like probably nothing. I, like I, I think if you're an opposing GM you want to see this guy play and be healthy and stay healthy and, and make an impact. You're no one's scrambling for Nick Robertson right now. Mm -hmm. You you just don't have many trade chips to play uh, other than Nylander. And I'm with you. I love the player 40 goal season, best season of his life actually showed up and, and made an impact in the playoffs. You know, you can make a case more so than, than most of the other forwards. So uh, you're in a bit of a pickle. They're, they're in a bind. Now, I, I, I do believe that Brad Fielding's trying to find a way to improve the blue line because, you know, I think Klingberg brings a, an element they needed, but they lost Luke Shen. They lost Gustafson. 
they lost Justin Hall, and and you know, you know, there's a lot of fans that they're rolling their eyes. They lost Justin Hall, but he ate up a lot of minutes. He killed penalties. Who's going to kill penalties now? They, there are elements that this team still needs, and uh, you know, there's time though, right? Like they could add people at the deadline. They can make trades in season. You don't have to have your perfect roster by puck drop in October, but. And I think this team is, is still good enough to make the playoffs as is, even if he does nothing. But he's, uns- he's not satisfied with that blue line. Like, he went out and said, you know, this, I like a, a, a big blue line. I like a, a mean blue line. And he hasn't done that right now. One of the questions I have, so if, if you are entertaining the ideal, idea about an Elander trade, I want to know who's on that list. Is Calgary on that list? Because Trey Living has... I'll give you uh, one guess for sure. Winnipeg. <laughs> Yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder about Calgary. I mean, I know he's, he's from there. But, uh, you know, just Trey Living has eyes on, on Calgary's blue line, whether it's Hannafin, Zadorov, Chris Tanev, I think, would look amazing in a Leafs uniform. Like, that's, that's the kind of guy they need. Uh, I, I just don't know who's on that list, and I don't know if we're, we're going to find out. So when I when I hear all those things, all those names mentioned, you know, adjectives like snarl and nastiness and tenacity come Snot. to mind. Snot. <laughs> and then then I see that they've signed John Klingberg on the first day of NHL free agency. Uh, obviously a complete opposite style of player there. Luke, you had a really good piece uh, on it, and I was starting to warm a little bit. The piece uh, won, won me over a touch more. What do you think the Leafs are, are getting in Klingberg? Because when I when I close my eyes, and again, I am not overly bullish on this. Now, the fact that they were able to sign Bertuzzi and Domi afterwards, it made me uh, you know, dislike it a little less, quite frankly, because it didn't predicate them from doing other things. It feels to me like this is, I wouldn't say all about, but mostly about having a little bit of a better look atop PP1, and then you take what you can get from him elsewhere. Do you think that that's why they at least made this move? Do you think it was just trying to add a little more help in transition uh, to not have it so much on Riley? What do you think they're hoping to get out of Klingberg, and how do you see him fit in? And is there kind of a, a partner that, that makes sense for you already? Yeah, so, I mean, this this is one piece, right? Like, and I do think this was a need, especially something that Sheldon identified. You know, I go to all his, his morning skate availabilities. And a team like the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche would roll through or the Nashville Predators. And Keith would rave about how mobile he is and how much offense gets generated by their blue line and how you have to be, uh, keep an eye out because all of a sudden they're jumping up in the rush. Well, outside of Morgan Riley who didn't have a fantastic regular season and was probably their MVP in the postseason. The Leafs didn't have a lot of guys like that. They weren't really that scary from, from the back end to the point that their leading goal getter in terms of defensive was Timothy Lilligren with six. That's not enough. They, they just weren't generating points from, from the blue line. And, and I think the average fan might not think of them like that because they just – you know, envision leaks. Oh, well, they're this high flying offensive team that goals are no problem. Yeah. But it's all coming. It was all coming from the forwards. There wasn't that threat from the back. And that's something Keith, I think wanted more of. He, he encouraged his guys to pinch a little bit. He wanted the, the D to be more active. And Klingberg, you know, mentioned when we talked to him on, on zoom after Leaf signed him, he's like, you know, I, yeah, I had a good talk with, with Brad for living, but I had a really good talk with Sheldon Keefe, and I think we see the game the same way, and I think the way he wants to play 
will align with how I play. And, you know, you're getting a guy who's, whose confidence is a little bit low. It, it was a shock for him. Eight years with one organization, um, there was a point in, in his heyday where people were, were screaming that this guy's underpaid. Uh, twice he finished sixth in, in, Nor- in Norris voting. Uh, can pile up the points. He's actually a more productive uh, guy on the power play than Morgan Riley, if, if you look at them over their career. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, he, 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 he was uncomfortable in Anaheim. He got down because the team was bad and he was bad and he had a horrible summer. He had to switch agents. He had to settle for a one-year deal when he was thought for sure he was getting term as, as the, the marquee defenseman on the open market in 22. Um, but now he's with good, good players. And, you know, even in a horrible year, he scored 10 goals um, and, and put up de- decent points. Make no mistake, this is an offensive defenseman. We're not going to be cheering monster Klingberg hits or, or, you know, applauding how he boxed guys out and what would, would let Samsonov see the puck. But we are going to be like, wow, did you see that breakout pass he made? Or do you see how he walks the line on, on the power play? And now the power play is another wrinkle. You're actually scared of, of the point shot. Uh, he mentioned that he wants to shoot the puck more. I think if it gets off to a good start, um, this could be a nice little addition for Lee. He's not a complete defenseman. He's a one-note uh, defenseman, and that's offense. Uh, so I, I do think he needs to be partnered with the right guy, much like we always talk about Morgan Riley needing the right partner. And I don't know if there's enough of those guys to go around. You know, I, I think McCabe needs to take a step. He wasn't awesome. Sounds the like they both need the same partner, well, Luke, kind well, of. <laughs> they, yeah, you need a couple more TJ Brodies. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be fascinating, I think, like, you know, we would show up at camp, who these guys are partnered with. And, and I'm sure it'll be a work in progress, too. Well, yeah, that's, that's I mean, I keep looking at this decor, Luke, and it's just, it's, it's hard to talk about it because, to me, it's just an incomplete project. There's no, no like, there's no way that a new general manager whose team has, you know, ideas of, God forbid, one day winning the Stanley Cup, that you're going to start your season with uh, John Klingberg and Jake McCabe as your second pairing. Like, there's just that that team, like, I, both those guys can contribute, and Jake McCabe for $2 million, that's one of the better things that Dubas did at the end of his, at the end of his tenure with the lease was getting him on that contract. But to me, it's just right now, if they win the season with the way it looks, it's just not good enough. And I know just to get back to what we were talking about before, you got to figure out how to improve it. That's that's just the number one priority for him. So I, I like I'm starting to warm up a little bit to Klingberg. I think it's just because I watched uh, a two minute highlight reel of him just snapping them from the point. I was like, oh, that looks nice. They didn't show a lot of the defensive highlights, Luke, which was good, <laughs> which was also good. But yeah, uh, I, I think I think I liked your piece, and I think that Klingberg could maybe have a role here with what you're saying about Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, no, and I agree with you uh, 100%, Sammy, in that the the mix of D doesn't feel right. No. It feels like a work in progress. But the the optimism, I would say, is that when we last spoke to Trey Living, that's the first thing he said. I'm still working on things. You guys know I, I like big, long defensemen. Uh, that That's the area of focus. So at least, you know, he's on the same page. He's not trying to sell the fan base on – Oh no, our our D are fine. We're we're gonna skill our way, and and Connor Timmins is is gonna be fine. And like, at least he knows it's an area of need. That that's the that's the one point of optimism. He's it's something he's working on. I'm, I'm sure today. Uh, now, the, the league, 
like in the big picture, I have I have a bit of a, a beef with the league keep keeping on expanding because I just don't think there's enough decent defensemen to go around. That's why you know Justin Hall's number comes in and everyone gasps because it's so high. Well, you got 32 teams. There aren't 32 you know top four defensemen to go like to go around. Uh, so the the trick is to try and try and get them. And the way the Leafs have structured their salary in terms of paying all their money to to forwards, and then the the couple defensemen that they are paying are offensive defensemen, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just it's just a funny way to build a team, especially when you look at what just happened in the Stanley Cup Final and the Vegas Golden Knights rolled all three defense pairs and had no issue matching their third pair against. Uh, the the Panthers top six and you know you, you couldn't get to the the middle of the ice and all of a sudden Aiden Hill is a superstar and getting massive contract because the defense is so good like but, it, but it's, Luke, it's so cliched but defense still matters I know but like when it comes to Leafs in terms of offense I think one of the big reasons that they got beat by the Florida Panthers last year and they just completely dried up. So if you're Brad for living and you look at what happened to the Leafs last year, you're like, we need to get more depth scoring here. The Leafs big boys were excellent against Tampa Bay. They carried them through. They scored multiple big goals for them. And then they just stopped scoring goals for them. And then no one else really wasn't like a huge contributing factor. How many straight games did they have with two goals? Was it six or seven yeah, straight six. games? Yeah, like, six, I think. I can get why somebody coming in here looking at this team and we talked about how it looks like a high flying offense and all that stuff, but I can get why a guy coming in here could be like, we need offense. We need some guys in the lower in this lineup that can find a way to score when the big guys aren't. So I get the defense wins championship things. When it comes down to it, you want to have stud D man, but the Leafs do need more offense and it feels like it's crazy to say, but they really do need it. Well, and, and to that end, I think that's where Klingberg comes in. For I sure. Think, you know, they got nothing you, from their back think, end last year, like we, you were talking about. Yeah. Like when you think of depth scoring, you think, oh, we need bottom six scoring. Well, defense can, can pitch in offense too, <laughs> right? And and on it, and I, I like some of the moves. Like I honestly think Bertuzzi's an upgrade over Bunting. You know, I think that's going to get you a bit more offense. Uh, you know, if Do- if Domi can slot in on the third line, I think he could pro- provide some some offense there. Right now, he's probably second line. Uh, I and I have issues with center. Like they lost Ryan O'Reilly, and now I like David Camp as a four C instead of a three C. But this is this is the salary cap world. Like every yeah. team ha- has these holes. Uh, so it's it you know it's going to take some time to to, to figure it out. But what? I think this team is good enough to get into the playoffs as is. And it's not complete, right? Like, look how different their their team was after the trade deadline than the, before the trade deadline last season. Like, there's still going to be some changes. Yeah, I would uh, I would certainly expect so, and I would imagine the uh, man calling the shots, Brad Living would as well. Uh, Luke, love getting you on, and we're right. You're right. We're both right. You should be on the golf course. Enough talking to bums <laughs> like us this early and, in the morning. And you said you, there should be some news. I would do really, really bad things for an extension to get announced during this week of shows for three hours when there's no sports. I would really love that, Luke. So maybe if you if you can get in touch with Treliving and tell him to uh, sign a contract, I'd really like that. Yeah, you have this way. Yeah, yeah, get on the horn. I'll, I'll send him a note. Thanks, he Appreciate there he goes. it. Okay. There bye. he is. Luke Fox, uh, our pal. Love, love, love. You asked for news. Here it is. Elliot Friedman hearing newly acquired Alex Duhook will sign a four-year 2.29 million AAV extension with the Montreal Canadiens. That was mean. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was mean. Could you mm. imagine I just spurned a Willie number on you right there? Mm. That'd be good for uh, JD Bacchus, who's going to follow us here. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Whatever. It's that that was there. Uh, it was always there. Brandon Hagel trade. It's just weird because Brandon Hagel trade was made when you were ready to win. Uh, they're making theirs now. That's a okay player at a okay number for a team that doesn't have a ton of cap commits. Not going to kill them. I get it. Solid bridge. But I I never understood the trade from their perspective from the jump. It was a triggered trade. Yeah. After they didn't get Pierre Luc Dubois. Like we gotta get this guy from the Rock. I I just yeah I. I... Don't have a lot of thoughts on Alex nope. Newhook. I've watched him play a few times. Just wanted but, to pass you know, along the news, pal. Good, good junior play. Uh, good, uh, wasn't he one of the world junior guys? He was. He was we really were, good we were talking to uh, somebody from out east uh, yeah. in our time, and yeah. uh, he was he was saying good things, and really just because Alex Newhook was in that part of the world as mm-hmm. well. All right. We've been doing it all day. Grinder techs. Grinders of the day. Now, mm-hmm. this is not the grinder of the day, but Darcy in northern Manitoba, Oh, he's right. Leaf fans are the real, real grinders 24-7. Since 1967. Ain't that the truth, pal? Nailed it. (laughs) He really did. Uh, Your favorite line of the day, not the grinder of the day, but your favorite line of the day was the blue saunas. You like that one? That was Uh, was your favorite thing that made you chuckle? my boy Eric. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very good. We did get a little little clarity from earlier on in the show. That person's working with all of the above. Dogs, cats, squirrels, opossums, and shout out to Ricky Romero, even foxes as well. Wow. We got a little clarity on on that That, there as well. That would be... Your nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, hey, you recoil when you see a cute dog, so... That's not true. That You know what? <laughs> Cards on the table. We're doing a little quick hot second of Alberta talk here. There was a dog at the house we were staying at. I even petted it. It was I, a good dog. It was Shout a great, Bailey. great hound. Great yeah. hound. Petted it. Hell of it, a hound. Let it sniff my hand. <laughs> yeah. It might have liked me because I was dropping some wonderful pizza uh, <laughs> out of my mouth. Uh, the toppings were, were flying off so, there. Hold so, hold yeah. on. That would be an electrifying job. For sure. When you're like going to a house and like, we got rakins in the roof and you're like, oh boy, oh boy, got to get up there and get them out of there and try to seal it off. Let me, let me tell you, as much as I would, would hate that job, that is my true nemesis, would like it to do it a lot more here than in like, you know, Florida, like yeah. snake land. Yeah, it's true. Or like gators or warthogs even. Yeah. Oh, feral hogs. We've all <laughs> seen the video of them them ripping through, ripping yeah. through. Uh, honestly, we'll do it all week long. Keep the grinder text coming in. Absolutely love it. Love it. Love so it. So what's your Mount Rushmore? Uh, my Mount Rushmore. Uh, okay. So we had our, we, we had our, uh, our guy. I forgot it. I don't have it in front of me here. Was it four, four kids at home, pregnant wife. He never stops working, and then he goes home, and it's just right in the mind shift. That guy is my one billion percent top of the Mount Rushmore. Uh, the animal response I did like up there. A lot of hospital people texting in, always uh, near and dear for me. I don't know what's your favorite. I'm gonna. It's your game. I would like you to uh, to to lead the bus here on our uh, on our inaugural grinder of the day. My grinder of the day is the man who drives. Uh, 110 kilometers to work construction after he feeds the twins, drives 110 kilometers, works construction, goes home to four kids and a pregnant wife. Keep grinding. Keep doing you. You're a good man. You're our grinder. Can we get some, I forget that guy's name. What was his name? Can someone find on the text line? Can we get the, 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 uh, the clapping for him? Say it, man. Can we get some clapping? There we go. Grinder of the day. Thank you very much to, uh, that man who grinds. Yeah. Good Uh, grinding. Okay. So baseball's all-star game tonight. Hmm excitedness on a scale of, I'm not going to say 10, because that'd be a lie, uh, one to five. <laughs> oh, give it a four and a half. Good for, 
it Eric. was Eric. There you big, go. big shout out to Eric. No location yeah. because he's everywhere. Yes. That's why there's no location. <laughs> and uh, the location is Vietnam in his brain that he's living right now. So good job for Eric. I like the all-star game in baseball. Should be I fun. always watch it. Um, I'm hoping to see Bo Bichette have a moment. Yep. Hoping to see. I just like when, you're, when your hometown guys have a good moment in the all-star game. It's always good. The hockey all-star game has been completely ruined. It does God, not matter at terrible. all. Terrible. Three on three. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And next year, it's here, right? Is that next year? Mm, I don't know. It's, it's coming. coming up. It's coming Show up. Shows how much we care. It's co- no, it's coming up here. If they, they just got to play a real hockey game, That'd which I would lovely. really like. Maybe just you throw know, it back. North America versus oh, the world, baby. Five on five. Maybe yeah. that'd be a concept. But I enjoy watching the all-star game in baseball. I want the Jays guys to have a contributing time in it. Mm-hmm. Give me a Vladdy bomb. Give me a bow knock. Give me a uh, Romano save. Yep. Give me all that stuff. And I will watch it and enjoy it. And we'll have a comprehensive breakdown tomorrow. We will We will know who pitched. We'll be able to pronounce the guy's names. We'll know where Kevin Gosman is at any given wow. moment and not not there. What are you chuckling about? You want to give it to the people quickly, or that one just go, for we you? We got to go quickly. Is it just me or does Gunner kind of sound like Tom Wamsgans from Succession on the radio from Jag in Scarborough? I accept your blackmail. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> J.D. Bunkus coming up next. Uh, keep on listening. Sports Day at 590 The Fan.